I thought we were professionals. But All right, so up. let's run it. Take two. Take two. We messed up. Okay, Shane, that's uh, strike. <laughs> that's strike two. So are, and a half. We, are we recording for sure now? We're recording for sure this time. Okay. Good. Okay. Welcome to Cutting Weight. Let's start the show again. Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Cutting Weight. I'm your host, Mike Stahl. To my left, Shane McNona. To my right, Jim Ayers. In the background, we've got our own little Baba Booey and Tony Brunetti. We call him Baba Brunetti. And we've got a special guest here for tonight. Uh, it's Kirtland Royalty. And... Or- <laughs> I can't just stop say thinking. it. Just I, say it. Just say it. it's the I elephant can't st- in the room, Mike. Just yeah, talk about I can't. It. I can't let this slide. We just did 15 minutes of this show, and it was phenomenal. Not some that of the, long. Maybe, maybe the best. Some of the we've done. best Eight material and we've ever had, and I can't. It wasn't that good. I, mean, I can't I mean, shake the fact your that Shane, Shane didn't record a second of it. No. We're doing this all over again, and I've got to be honest with you. I'm. I'm just. Oh, just fired up about it. We were talking. We were talking about emails. We haven't gotten a lot, but if you, if anyone wants to apply for Shane's job right now, I think it's open. <laughs> yeah, I think we're taking candidates. Right we're taking now. resumes, and if your name is spelled correctly, we will consider you. If you're good at like turning knobs and pushing buttons, if you're willing to do any of the work that Jim and I have refused to do. And I was learn. gonna say, yeah. If either of you had taken any initiative in the last year since we started this podcast, we could have muscled you out a long time ago. <laughs> right. But I won't. Whatever that he has, that he has job security in the fact that we don't do any of it, nor whatever. do we have any idea how any of it's done. It's no surprise that Shane takes that thing with him after every show immediately. He puts it in his back pocket. Not, not that we could even figure it out. <laughs> no, I mean it, it would be like Zoolander trying to get the files out of the computer. <laughs> the files are in the computer. Okay, so we're going to talk about the beer again. <laughs> again? Let's do it again. We got uh, brewed and canned at Company Values by Corporate Ladder Brewing Company, longest name ever, in Wanaki, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, Wisconsin. This is the Exceeding Expectations Hindia, Hindia? Hazy India Pale Ale. And if you can talk, too, you have a good chance of taking change up. <laughs> if you can read, talk, and it's been a long day. Talk. All right, I'm like seven and a half percent. Wheelhouse, knock it down. Wheelhouse, yeah, yeah right, right in my wheelhouse again. I think we're all uh, still a little just off center Mixed. because Shane brought came here directly from work. He's he's dressed to the nines, but he also we also had to watch him deep throat a, a Big Mac fries and two of these delicious cookies. Yeah, thanks to that, Melissa. Yeah, who thanks made to my wife Melissa for. Yeah, don't think I'm not going to have a third home making these cookies. Yeah, he's on a diabetic coma right now, and he didn't hit, hit the play button. My goodness! Record button. Well, no wonder he can't button, read. Yeah. This is a good beer. Again, another hazy India pale ale, right in the wheelhouse, seven point five, and it's it's delicious. Thanks for bringing it, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Nice work, Tony. And thanks for being part of the the crew. Big. We got a lot of big plans. At least, I don't say we. Like hopefully you do, because we we, 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 have we, no we don't have plans. anything. We have zero aspirations. We've had no plans here. for the last year. Counting, we were talking about uh, the amount of emails we've received over the last year, <laughs> totaling two. And maybe which, it's, uh, is it because I keep giving the wrong email at clownpenis.fart.com? It might be. Like, we should com. probably check and see if there's like a ton of emails in that. 
Yeah, I don't know where you would even check that, but... <laughs> I think you can get there. You can get there. In the dark web, I'm yeah, sure you can get there. for sure. I mean, it's, it's you have to get through there through Reddit. I don't doubt that. It's an OnlyFans account. <laughs> uh, uh, but the beer's good. Fall is upon us. I'm in a flannel. We're fireside here in Cutting Weight Cabin, and we're having a, having a good time. Our dear friend Kevin Potter is here with us. He uh, is the mayor of Kirtland. You probably know him for a number of different things other than his current civic duty. But, uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. All right, great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, this is the first real political power player we've had dignitary yeah. <laughs> dignitary right. i've never had to play i've never had any guest request that someone play hail to the chief as he walks into the cabin we should have had that on the on the old uh, apple itunes plan that would that would have been good it but would've... i know kevin kevin likes his... yeah. <laughs> yeah i know kevin likes the neil young and uh his brother does too maybe we can talk a little bit about his brother here later on in the show but Kevin, walk us through a day well, in the you know life. Which one. <laughs> oh yeah, Kevin's got a big family. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I mean, are we going to skip over the the whole Neil Young? No, no. Let's get. Bring it, let me. Yeah, talk so we started the program with Powderfinger. It was a song that um, Kevin and I and his brother, you know, I think would listen to way back in the day, like on repeat, thousands and thousands of times over many, many nights and uh and then probably my oldest brother some later nights and later years for sure maybe for sure burning a tree <laughs> we might i mean like a, a quarter of a tree that okay. what was left of a this tree is pots. This, this is pots this is pots but um so last week we had a, a big shindig at my house with uh tom my neighbor and uh we had a bunch of people over we had a band come over when i say a band it was two guys with guitars but they were brent kirby and tom prebish they uh, great voices, great great uh, you know guitar skills and all that, and they did play Powderfinger. And um, Kevin and I were talking too about the last song they ended on was a song by uh, John Prine, which is called Paradise, basically about his childhood growing up and going to visit his grandparents down in Kentucky. And uh, they they nailed that too. So I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to Brent Kirby and uh, Tom Priebus who play it. They play around quite a bit. They're in multiple bands. A lot of them, they, they play on the west side quite a bit. They're in a band called The New Soft Shoe that is a cover band for, um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, it'll come to me, but they, they do play out quite a bit. And if you get a chance, try to go listen to those guys. And uh, if you're ever looking for someone to play at a party, a private event, whatever, they did a great job. We were super happy with them. Everyone I talked to that came was uh, really excited about how they sounded everything else so uh, i want to say thanks to those guys and uh thanks for everything they did for that so for sure we should probably get them on the show let's uh let's just we could do that s- stop tape right now let's cancel this one and just yeah are we, are we even recording <laughs> <laughs> shane yeah let's check in are we recording <laughs> the light is red so you guys, now that you know, red means run, son. That's double what, that's check. Young would have numbers said. add up to nothing. <laughs> exactly. Kevin, walk us through a day in the life. Is let's start. Let's back it up. Talk to talk about your motivation leading up to a mayoral run Boy. here. Where did like yeah? What where did you first think like hey I want to do this, and where's where's it gone since then? Well, I mean, I, honestly, I've always I was always kind of pretty interested in history and politics since a young age. I mean, one of my first memories is watching the Reagan-Mondale debates in 1984 and 
course, my parents were rabidly for Mondale and ardently opposed to the monster as they thought he was, Ronald Reagan. Right. And then to kind of set the record straight, like your family is a very large Democratic supportive family. Correct. Yeah, my dad was in the labor labor union movement for for basically his entire career, and and that's how I grew up, and that's what our household always was. I mean, PBS documentaries, anytime the Kennedys were on, it was everybody was sitting (laughs) And your mom kind of likes the Kennedy family, correct? People were crying. I mean, (laughs) everybody sat there and cried for an hour, hour and a half, however long they were. Did you guys watch the Zipruder film like over and over? (laughs) Did no. you ever get to the bottom of it? Like, was that the reason you became a mayor to try to get to the bottom of the Kennedy assassination? I definitely keep my eyes out for Grassy Knoll, right? <laughs> um, but but no, honestly, you know, as I as I grew older and started paying a little bit more attention to whether it's national, or state, or local politics, um, you know, I kind of became my own person in terms of my my disposition for um, yeah, I'm a registered Democrat, but you know, it's not uncommon for me to vote for Republicans. I voted for John Kasich. Um, you know, Dave Joyce a few times out here in, in Lake County. So, you know, probably to, to some of the family members' dismay, but try to be as independent as, as we can. And my wife does the same thing. But, no, it, um, through the years, just paid attention to, to what was going on in the world around us. And then we moved to Kirtland, I think, in 2009, joined Kirtland Kiwanis in probably 2011 or 12, and just kind of became more interested in what was going on in our local government. Started going to council meetings. And 2015, ran for city council, and myself and uh, Councilman Ward 3, Joe Smolik, who, by the way, would be a really interesting character to have on this podcast. He is a character. Um, I've met Joe. He's character is You might have to set aside like six hours versus like one or one and a half. It'd be like a Joe Rogan podcast. (laughs) But so anyhow, so Joe and I were the two newcomers in the council. We didn't know each other from Adam, and the, the other five council members were on for eight, 16, 20, 24 years. And Joe and I came in and, you know, knew what we knew by paying attention to council meetings. But, you know, when you start hearing the budget talks and you start seeing, you know, votes on certain issues and, you know, before it was, you know, it was pretty common to have an 18 minute council meeting. People would come in, they'd wave the three readings on everything, there'd be very little discussion, they'd pass the issue. Well, Joe and I got in, we started asking questions. And now council meetings are lasting 45 minutes and an hour, an hour and a half. And people were starting to get a little bit frustrated, and we could tell. And I don't blame them. They kind of had their thing going. It's kind of the, the it was the like old, an old boys club, old boys almost. network club, right? Um, and it's not to disparage them and take anything away from from how they did things over over all the years. But as we came to find things out more, and and we encouraged a couple of people to run for council in 2017, and both Rich Lowry and John Lesnick uh, won their council seats. And so then at that point, I was made council president. And going leading up to 2019, you know, we kind of, the four of us were thinking in kind of these new terms and and thinking that there's a better way to do things. And so ultimately, I drew the short straw and and out of the four of us, and and I ran for mayor in 2019. And uh, it was a long, hard-fought campaign season. Um, It got pretty wild. I mean, there was a little bit of like, maybe not so much from your, your end and your, you know, campaign but there was like it kind of got a little bit ugly at certain points didn't it oh it was yeah it was utterly bizarre i mean the 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 hardest thing was for me you know you do this you have to expect that you know personal attacks things are going to come your way whatever dig up some you know old skeletons whatever i can handle that's fine but watching my family go through it and see the stuff on facebook and you know it was it was it was very disappointing um 
but we ran a very, very disciplined campaign. I had a couple of great advisors helping me, and uh, we stuck to a message, and that message was basically, we're, it's not going to be business as usual anymore. And whatever that, whatever that meant, um, whether we were talking about roads, whether we were talking about you know, um, keeping dispatch in-house in the city of Kirtland or consolidating with a, a Lake County agency or the city of Willoughby, which we ultimately did, it was all about looking at things differently, keeping our eyes open, looking for opportunities. And so um, ultimately won, won that election because of that, you know, really hard discipline campaign that we ran. And, uh, you know, there's a total difference between campaigning and governing then, right? Because, and there's a big difference between sitting in the mayor's seat and sitting in the council seat. It's pretty easy to go in there week in and week out and have your you know, list of questions, or maybe you sent some emails that weren't responded to, so you can follow up on those in the council meeting, maybe catch somebody off guard or by surprise, or, you know, get them to have to talk about something publicly that they otherwise didn't want to talk to or try to dismiss, them, dismiss um, to now becoming that person, right, that has to. So, you know, one commitment I had was, you know, transparency. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the best possible answer I can, and I know at that time, brought in uh, a new law director. The former law director had been in the city for probably 20 years, great guy, um, but again, to, to do things and move in a different direction. Um, went and brought in a new law director, Matt Lalo, who's just tremendous. You want to talk about responsive, you want to talk about sharp, you want to talk about decisive. Um, we got that from Matt, then we brought in a new uh, city engineer. It was the same thing, the same city engineer was there for 40 years and brought in a new service director. And ultimately, um, Joe Fanaro is our service director now and and he came from a long history in Mayfield Heights. And you want to talk about somebody that can get things done for a community. And the guy works 80, 90 hours a week, and it's no joke. Um, so those are the kinds of things we did. And we've done, you know, I'll kind of stop and let you guys ask the questions. But um, that's, uh, you know, kind of the the short, maybe, of, of how we got here. No, I mean, now it's time for the ambush. What are we doing about the roads, Mr. Mayor? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a great question. So, <laughs> And is there any way you could pave my driveway? <laughs> Yeah, I, I would suck in that. It, it, I don't it, need, it needs work. Let's I mean, talk about the elephant in the room. When are we going to tear down that monstrosity of a church and use some of that material to fill in the potholes? <laughs> on Jim's driveway? <laughs> on my driveway. So, Maybe well, I should start you know, showing up to city council meetings. Probably. <laughs> no, we, do have, we do have approximately, I think, 11 churches in the city of Carlton, so I don't know what church you're talking about. Like, well, well, it is a city of faith and beauty. It is. So, it I mean, is. And that's, you know, we're obviously, I talked about 11 churches and we've got a great Does that include the Lundgren church or no? Uh, that does include a church that is sits on the site of but it's, the Lundgren. But it's no longer a cult of murderers, correct? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I can definitively say it's not. Maybe, maybe look into that. That's <laughs> maybe. probably a good story to tell the people that don't know about the Lundgrens in Kirtland. Real quick. Yeah, I'm sure that's pretty uplifting. <laughs> anyway, family in uh, Kirtland living on... Are you talking uh, about Hiroshima next? Yeah. <laughs> Route 6. I don't know if you yeah, heard, we'll, heard about... Uh, we'll get into Vietnam later. <laughs> Nazi uh, death camps, maybe we can talk about that. Anywho. Uh, Although we did talk about Nazi death camps when Tom Bernat was our guest. Yeah, when they went to um, Auschwitz, dressed as... That's true. Dressed pro as wrestlers. Wrestlers. Yeah. I will say that I, Annie, uh, your oldest daughter... 
uh, was living with the Stull family while she was attending uh, George Mason University at the time mm-hmm. when you were going through the election cycle. Is, is the, did you have me on just to do a public thank you for the, the, <laughs> the time my daughter lived with you for, for six months? It did. Because I'm thank it, you, Mike Stahl and Melissa. It was. No, no. I, actually, it was value added for our family because she was uh, she was certainly uh, watched watched our boys from time to time more than more than her fair share, and then. Uh, was also slash housekeeper slash chef slash um, uh, political advisor to me during that time as well. I think I might have even helped her with some of her homework as I and maybe somebody in the house that would actually laugh at your jokes. <laughs> That's true. But Annie and I uh, played a pretty uh, pivotal role, I think, in your campaign, helping different, you difference with, maker, I helping say. you with if, some. If, of, I, if I know what you're talking about, that that was the difference maker. Helping you with some some pretty slanderous ads. Yeah. <laughs> And so when you say you ran like a disciplined campaign, you did, except for the slanderous ads that we had heard. I got yeah, several so, of those via text. There was, yeah. a few, there, there was a few days we saw our poll numbers skyrocket. <laughs> so, and, and we just ran out of time. The take on it was it was... It it lined up also with the presidential campaign at the at the front of it because right, like the, the that was going through the debates were going on exactly. right and the Democrats were organizing to uh, run against Trump at the time <laughs> then the uh, so I really kind of fell in love with. <laughs> these these campaigns that people would these commercials that people would run and it's always the same guy who starts off with and all all you have to do is start with a negative. Thing about anything, right? And then tangentially reference them like next to it. And I think one of the ads was so. So my opponent was named Doug Davidson. So, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll right. And that. Uh, Doug, if you're listening, thanks. Thanks for your service. And also, uh, he, he won't be listening. <laughs> and also, maybe he could lose a few pounds. Anywho, <laughs> but the. Uh, <laughs> But like, so Annie would come down like fuming and be like, this is what he said about, you know, my dad. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know, let's, let's run it. Let's, let's start organizing. Yeah, he was knocking year. on doors telling people that, that, that I was an alcoholic, right? <laughs> I mean, which is true. I'm a, I'm a 13 year recovering alcoholic, but anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> so, so Annie and I um, used some of that. And, and I think at the time, murder hornets were a thing. <laughs> so we were like, Doug Davidson supports the murder hornets. Or, you know, anything like that. And you just like, have you ever heard of cholesterol? Doug Davidson has. <laughs> Think he'll make it through the next term? I doubt it. So Mike would send me these these voice messages. And it was a stressful time in my life, right? And, and, and I'd be having an, just an awful day or had to go to the next campaign event or have to sit on the phone on a three-way call by two advisors who would basically scream at me for an hour straight about you know how horrible like my last ad advertisement or my version of what the ad should be. And then I get these voice messages from Mike. <laughs> at, least, at least it brought a little levity and like a, put a smile on your face at the end of the day. So I'm sure time. at that point like you definitely were in need of... And for the record, I did not use any of <laughs> Which was dumb. You would have won on a landslide, had you? The best one was the Melonhead one. Yeah, I was like, hey, Kirtland, remember the Melonheads? Doug Davidson does. He once had dinner with a Melonhead. And I, and I think I mentioned the Lundgrens. <laughs> right. But it, it's so easy to do a political ad like that because all you have to do is just 
just just align them with anything Whatever. bad. Whatever. Right. Like it doesn't have to be proven or anything. I mean yeah. it's well that's right. That like kinda like blows my mind though, the fact that even in a little town like Kirtland, like you're still, you know, you, you have advisors going through this mayoral election and you know, the slandering kind of mud slinging that happens like that. I guess for me, I I don't pay that much attention to the political landscape of things. So even hearing these stories from you, Kevin, it's like, wow, this happens on every level of like every sort of, you know, elected official kind of, you know, situation. So it's, it's kind of wild that that that's even a fact in in a small town like Kirtland too, you know, 60, I think we got our, our census data today, 6,937 people. So pretty small town. You know, if you get 1,500 people to subscribe to one Facebook page, that's a lot of people. And so you can really, you know, throw out a message, throw out some nastiness and get people riled up and feeling like, boy, oh boy, our town, like just crushed the spirit of our town. And people feel like, you know, because three people, five people, 10 people in an echo chamber are saying all of the stuff and you just see misery and like anger come out day after day after day. People can feel like, man, our, I thought our town was this nice, sleepy little town. I thought, you know, I thought there were some good things going on here. Everyone here is horrible. Right. And, 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 and so, so you can, like, in a Willoughby, maybe 18,000 people, men are 45,000, 50,000 people, you know, 1,500 people belong to a Facebook page really isn't going to make it dent. But in a little town like Kirtland, you can yeah, really do it's some, amplified for you sure. can do some damage because those same Facebook pages are the page, pages that people go to to, you know, to, um, see the next event, or or, or just or like to like see how the game. high school football game. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. people are going to there for their local kind of information, and then they're seeing the stuff, and yeah, and that's it, and that's their only like connection to what's going on. Right. Exactly. You know, and if the, if, the, if their only connection is like Kevin just slept with a melon head, you know, like it's like oh my god, yeah. I don't think that's good. Man, I thought I, we got rid of the melon heads seventy years ago. What, what was that old? Com- I really liked Kevin, right? <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy. Oh, gosh. So tell us about the uh, big fundraiser you had in the wine cellar. In the wine <laughs> cellar. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> Pete had that big fun. It, it was a bad joke, anyway. What? Remember, um, no, the, no, the kid good. from Indiana that... Uh, Oh, Pete Budovich? Yeah. He had, oh, he had a Pete? fundraiser in the wine cellar and everything. I, I, miss, that. I miss that I one. That one. Anyway, Senator Warren gave him hell about it. Anywho, it wasn't a big Because it was so, in the wine cellar? Or? I, I got it. It was a, just because he was but a, I got a rich kid raising money, uh, didn't have yeah, yeah, political yeah. clout. I got a message that. from one of our listeners, and his big concern was, why are you trying to shut people down from shooting things in Willoughby on oh, Sundays? Sure, Ouch. yeah. So that was actually an issue that came up my f- before I even took Kirtland uh, Kirtland Country Club, right? Correct. That, that resides in Willow. And I'm, I will not say who sent that, but his name r- rhymes with Whale Bablozy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> Whale Bablozy. So, so it yeah. actually might be his stage name. I hope I see Whale this weekend. You might see him tomorrow night. All right. So the Whale uh, <laughs> Bablozy. I win the election in 2015 as a council. Councilman Ward One Council. For the record, I voted Davidson. You you did as well, right? Right. Just so we know. Just so we're <laughs> yeah, clear. yeah. We wanted to tell you just that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't even live in Kirtland, Mike. No, but. I bought a I bought a mailbox. <laughs> so you actually helped him then uh, get within ten percent of me. Then. <laughs> so anyhow, 
Yeah, so I, I win that election early November, that weekend, the Saturday after that Tuesday, everyone's, people start calling me, what the heck's going on? We hear there's loud, you know, guns are blazing, you know, right up the road. And so came to be that the... Because the, they're using automatic shotguns. The, guns are blazing. Guns are blazing. Kapow! Wait, wait five seconds. Kapow! So, so no, that that's exactly right. It's a slow blaze. Yeah, guns so, are. It's not the okay corral. I mean, it's not. Like, what? It's not. You know. So, find out that it's the Kirtland Country Club right over the border in Willoughby, and there's a uh, neighborhood, the old town neighborhood by the by the temple, and there's a big valley on the Willoughby side. They shoot out across this valley. And the sound just comes right across that valley, and to the the people, especially like on North and Elm Street, Maple Street, um, they were a lot of the residents were really bothered by the noise. We could hear it from our house, but truthfully, it was it was not loud enough and often enough for us to be disturbed by it. But the stories started coming out about you know the firemen that that worked all night or snow plowed all night, and you know put soundproof windows in his house just so he could sleep during the day. The nurse, same thing, third shift. Um, we had, you know, some, some, uh, veterans that had been through, you know, conflict and with the PTSD, uh, a couple testimonies from two different, two different women that had lost their husbands to cancer and those kind of final days and hours, um, you know, just very disturbing, um, unsettledness in the house, I guess, um, because of that shooting. So we started going over to the, the city of Willoughby, started with their council meetings, um, you know, asking what's going on, if there's anything to be changed, done, stopped. They had passed an ordinance just the year before that allowed shooting at uh, discharge of firearms at a country club, right? They specifically made it for the Kirtland Country Club. Long and short of it is, is after a lot of showing up at their planning and zoning meetings, they actually revoked the permit the following year, knowing full well that the country club members, and it's not the country club itself, it's it's a contingent or uh, some of the members that, you know, shoot, and I think there might be 25, 40 guys, whatever, guys and women, I'm not sure, um, but they figured it'd be challenged in court, and sure enough, that group did challenge it in court. And ultimately, you know, the defense on the side of Willoughby, to their credit, to the city of Willoughby's credit, even though they had passed the ordinance, knew it was going to get challenged in court, likely, and they would probably lose. But they did throw some legal defense dollars at it, and the court upheld the the city of, or I'm sorry, uh, the country club's ability to keep shooting. So since then, there's nothing that we can do. The city is, of but is there any truth to the fact that Misney can make them pay? Tim Misney is certainly trying to make them pay. Um, Tim has been a, a big advocate of the, the side of the, the End the Noise group, um, helping organize protests along Kirtland Road over there, um, you know, I, I think contributing a lot to, to their signage and probably some of the legal mechanisms they've pursued. Has he been giving out like coffee mugs with his face on it at all to people? That was at the Strawberry Festival, to, okay. to my knowledge. Because I have been. like 35 of them at my house that I'm trying to get rid of. Probably a lot I've of that's my one. fault because yeah. I was having Mary and Corinne just go up and grab two and six at a time. But yeah. uh, We're, trying to, we're trying to unload those. <laughs> I've actually got one. Mike so, has a clock, I think. Yeah, I've got a clock as well. Actually, yeah, it needs to go up in here somewhere. So the the, 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 club, the club continues to shoot. Residents are some residents are still pretty upset about it. There's no legal recourse the city of Kirtland can can take. Um, well, that's a tough situation because they're not even in your city ordinance. You know, I mean, correct. I don't know if it would have been any different had it been in Kirtland, but 
Well, the fact that like they're not even in Kirtland, but it's affecting Kirtland residents is kind of a probably, weird situation. Probably the worst thing about the permit that they got the conditional use permit, and the conditional use permit is you know from November first to March thirty first, you can shoot from ten to four on Saturdays and noon to four on Sundays. And it said, must face south toward Kirtland. <laughs> they actually said it <laughs> in their conditional use permit. So Kirtland residents, you know, yeah, they got fine. took that one to, to heart, right? Um, could you have at least just said face south, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, toward Kirtland. Kirt- toward Kirtland. You know what's south, right? right exactly. Um, it's, like that's you, where the, it's like that's where the Mason-Dixon line <laughs> yeah, was. Right. Just... But since then, actually, you know, even if Willoughby wanted to do something, and there was some, some further um, course in, in, in the matter of the courts, the state of Ohio legislature just two years ago passed a kind of broadened the scope of what cities could and couldn't do in terms of um, stopping people from discharging their own firearms. So um, because it's a sport shooting, um, one of those things that the legislature did was you, know, you, go, out and, you go out in your backyard and, and put up a target. It's pretty hard, hard to now enforce our own ordinances um, because if you're saying it's for sporting reasons, um, you know, it's it, it's become problematic. So there, there is nothing that the city of Kirtland could do. Now there's nothing the city of Willoughby could even do. It would just be an effort on the members of the club to, you know, my wish is they would scale maybe the, the, the length of time they do it on the weekends, right. maybe do it two weekends a month, maybe do it for a couple hours on Saturday and maybe not on Sundays. So, you know, I'm still hopeful that um, the shame campaign by... Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, that, that's what they're doing. They're trying to create social pressure within the club. And to their credit, that's 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 all they basically have, as far as I know, in terms of recourse. So um, hopefully that, the, you know, cooler heads will prevail and, and some sort of resolution will come and people can get a little more peace and quiet on the weekends and, and the club members, you know. Oh. Well, I think that's what we're all looking for, isn't it, Mike? I think so. I mean, if history has taught us anything, it's really hard to get rich white people to do what you want them to. So. <laughs> yeah. Just once again. Yeah. I Another mean, example. Kirtland, Kirtland, yeah, Kirtland Country Club, like, hey, rich white guys. Maybe don't do what you want to do all the time. I don't know. No, we like doing what we want to do when we want to do it. Okay. All right. Well, then go ahead. And we'll mol- check back. Go ahead and molest your secretary. Go ahead. <laughs> that has never been proven, by the way. And we're not referring to you, whale bablozy. <laughs> whale bablozy. Ah. Well, it's probably time to talk a little bit about what uh, is probably. Uh, making the hair on the back of your neck stand up, and it's your excitement for the Cleveland Browns here in the NFL season. We're in uh, going into week four here, and the Cleveland Browns are 2-1 and one after coming off of a dominating. Some, some would say disappointing loss to Kansas City Chiefs. I thought it was, you know, they. I thought they played pretty dominantly for half of that game. Anyway, they've they've won two games that they, that they should win, and they won handily, and I think uh, things are looking good for the Cleveland Browns. What say you guys? Yeah, I think the defense last week looked amazing. I mean, nine sacks, Miles Garrett with four and a half. Um, you know, I love JOK, and he stepped up uh, this week, had a sack, he had a lot of pass breakups, tons of big tackles. Um, I almost, so I also want to preface this with Kevin is making the trip to Minnesota Saturday to watch the Browns versus the Vikings. Oh, Sunday, yeah, I'm gonna go. He's going on a roadie to, be, to visit his oh, brother. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to give him my JOK jersey um, to wear because it's an away jersey, and obviously JOK is. They said you guys watch or listen to Pro Football Focus at all? So they grade. It's like a metric. Yeah, they do like they, a, they do like an right. analytical metrics, and they grade every player, every position for every team. 
So last week, JOK's linebacker grade was like a 94.6. It was the, he was the highest graded linebacker in all of NFL. And I think in the season, he's only played about half the snaps. But in the season, he's like top five linebacker grades. So I, I, I jumped on the bandwagon after he was drafted. I got the jersey. Things are looking up. I'm super pumped about it. So Shane, tell us about your jersey experience. Oh God! So I I ordered the jersey. I hadn't even received it yet, and Greg Newsom got hurt last week. Oh my God! This is going down a Willie Green path, isn't it? Yeah. But I I will say, I will say, for the first home game, Shane and I went with my brother Mike. Mm -hmm. I wore a Jarvis Landry jersey. Jarvis gets hurt second play of the game. Thanks, Jim. Thanks a lot. So yeah. I don't know what to say. But I wore an Odell jersey last week in his first game back. He had a pretty good game. What, five catches, 77 yards. Looked very solid for his first game in a year. So I've been wearing a Baker jersey to every game. What jersey did you wear to the Steelers game last week, Mike? I wore a T.J. Watt jersey. He didn't play, though, right? um, He did not play. uh, Did any of the Steelers play in that game? uh, Some of them did. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't any of the players that mattered. Um, I think, or even uh, the ones that did play didn't really matter. No, it was an ugly game. I got to see that game live. It took my uh, son Zane there for his birthday. We had uh, we had uh, promised him that it was, it was one request. He wanted to go see a regular season um, game, and uh, he hates me. So, <laughs> so maybe he'll be a Browns fan now. Uh, maybe, maybe I, I always. Maybe you know, I still fan. have hope. I always tell him, "Look, buddy, you know you don't have to." You don't have to be infected with the poison of your dad. I don't want to infect this family any more than I already have. If you want to be a Browns fan, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm just not going to pay for your college. It's the bit, that's the bottom line. You'll be, and, you'll uh, be in a trade school. Yeah. So uh, yeah. No. I mean, it, you know, we had a good time. We went down there with Dave Giordano, his son Dom. Dom and Zane are best friends. They're in the same grade, and went down and. Um, Parked downtown, walked across the bridges, got to see the the mighty Monongahela and the Allegheny and the the kid, you know that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, they're not going to win every game. They're probably not going to win many this year, frankly. And um, but it's still a special event uh, to take uh, Zane down there. It was fun. Anyway, um, yeah, it was an awful game to watch. Uh, ben Roethlisberger threw a two yard pass to Najee Harris and. Um, tripped over the 25 yard line just fell down did you see the like there was one facebook meme going around this week where it was um mike tomlin was like shaking hands to the new like pittsburgh quarterback and it was al bundy he's like facing <laughs> any anybody at this point i think zane had heard me remark like halfway through the fourth quarter like i'm ready for the mason rudolph era like at any point here like um six and uh, you know jeez. I mean, I thought I, I thought six and I, I thought we'd probably be five hundred, maybe a little bit better. I thought even we'd have a shot at the playoffs if, if Ben played decent. I, I think now we're looking probably at six and eleven, and I think we probably get a top ten draft pick. Yeah, I don't think Ben's got any gas left in the tank. No, and I think what'll happen here in the coming weeks is if he doesn't play well, there's going to be a quote unquote injury that sign lines him and he, he retires with whatever dignity he has. Um and then um the new, you know, something else starts. We get a I, you know I don't know if he my has hope any- is we get a long look at Mason Rudolph and decide whether or not he's the future of the franchise or not. And I- then we 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 either draft a quarterback or we go another round or But I, I'm just agent. wondering like how much dignity does Roethlisberger have after last year's playoff game where he sat and just was crying. 
and there's so many pictures of that. I don't know. Not much, I guess. I would say not, a, not a good way to lose. No. Well, Kevin, you went to a Notre Dame game for your anniversary a couple weeks ago. Did, How was yeah. that? We went, went to see Notre Dame beat Purdue, I think, 27-13. As always, uh, being in Notre Dame Stadium is a great experience. It was our anniversary, so I was at a trade show earlier in the week, and I saw an Irish guy from Chicago, and I said, you got to be able to get me Notre Dame tickets. 20 minutes later, I had seats on the 20-yard line behind Purdue's bench, 20 rows from the field. And, was somebody you, know, you knew or just? Uh, yeah, it was a sales guy from uh, one of the forging companies that we buy material from. So, yeah, it was it was a great day. And then we uh, – Did you end up going to the casino? Oddly enough, um, I think it was, was it Vanessa that was making – Yeah, she was making fun of, fun of you because you guys were going to – We're going to spend our anniversary night in Toledo, <laughs> right. Ohio. But, so, it's so, a glass city. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is a glass city. It's a glass bowl. That's where Toledo Rockets play. Well – Anyway, so, okay, I'll take your word for it on that. Um, but I will say, we had one of the best dinners that, at the restaurant at the casino. And the casino was a, a really nice, you know, um, clean. Um, to me, it was better than the Jack. Um, been out to Erie a couple times. Thought it was just as good as that, if not better. So, yeah, no, we had a, we had a great time. What's, we were home uh, for the Browns game on Sunday. What kind of gambling were you guys doing? What just you... video poker. Video poker. Yeah, I think I lost 60 bucks and she lost probably, Jenny lost probably 20. Okay. So you guys aren't very good at video poker. No, I don't have the patience for gambling anymore. I just don't like it. It doesn't do it, you know, my younger days, what it did for me. It's just, to me, it's, I, I watched the money go away and I just, frankly, I wanted to go back and read, back to the hotel room and read the book I was into. Uh, so Kevin's an exciting guy. Like, yeah. his yeah. life's pretty crazy. How's that sound, guys? You got you have me on the podcast? <laughs> but we used to spend some time at the track. He used to go down to uh, Northfield. Uh, uh, Thistledown. And we, uh, we saw Easy Go Lucky. Poor Easy Go Lucky. Hats uh, off to Easy Go Lucky. Oh, man. In the Jockey of the One. What do you think Easy Go Lucky's doing right now? I know what he's Pushing been doing daisies. for the last 28 years, and that's he's been dead. Glue? So it was <laughs> He's mo- holding something together. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it was Memorial Day, 1995. He's Me, holding it together a Thanksgiving construction paper turkey. <laughs> Me, Jim. Yeah, well, it was like to. I think to go back even a couple of days. Like, didn't we spend that weekend up in Tidyu? Probably. We, and we came home like on Sunday. Tidyu was our, our buddy's. Yeah, farm, our, our, farm our friend in, Dominic. He had a, his family's got a farm up in Pennsylvania, like a hunting lodge cabin, and uh, we went up there camping over Memorial Day weekend, came home maybe on a Sunday, and then Monday had nothing to do, right? And then decided to go to Thistletown. Monday was a monumental day in, in my life, that Monday Memorial Day, because we got to see Easy Go Lucky, who was the four horse, and I had a 4-8 exacta, and coming down the stretch, it was the four and the eight, and they looked like they were clearly going to win. Easy Go Lucky, Jim, I, I'm going to get broken up here, so I'm going to let you finish the story. No, I mean, Easy Go Lucky was... Down the stretch, probably only had sixty yards to go. Fifty yards. I mean, he was yeah, there, maybe closer to hundred, but yeah. And then uh, something happened from his super drug-induced body, and his leg literally just snapped into pieces. And like the last thirty or forty yards, he was running, and his one leg was just like flopping, like not even touching the ground. It was like windmilling. And uh, the the jockey and my brother. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so now I okay. I'm I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> so you're back. Easy go lucky finishes ten horses in the race. Say, easy go lucky actually finishes ninth. The one horse had just basically come to almost to, to a crawl, a walk across the finish line. The jockey, the one horse, was so distraught about what he had just seen. Mike Ayers, who was probably what eighth grade going into ninth grade, maybe. No, I mean. Yeah, well, it, yeah, maybe it, it was ninety five. And 
We are, we have my ninth grade like brother at the, the track, track making track. Back. We may have been on getting, a Wednesday. We may have been giving, giving him cigarettes. <laughs> and so Mike screams over the fence, "Hey, Jackie of the one horse! I bet you feel real stupid. You just lost to the horse with a broken leg." <laughs> and this guy was—I mean, he was crying. The jockey. Jesus. So, but you know what we did later on that evening? Drop Mike off. No. We went and watched Braveheart. Did we? Uh huh. I don't remember. Like at the theater. At the theater, yeah. Okay. Wow. That was a good movie. Yeah, decent. I, you know, I don't know if it's actually factual. You don't know if no, it's historically no. accurate? No, it's one of the best movies of all time. That's a, I didn't see that in the theaters, actually. I, that, but what a fantastic movie that was. <laughs> one of my if we didn't see enough gruesomeness for the day with these, <laughs> right, you're yeah. lucky. We went to see Braveheart. Let's just see humans get freaking impaled. <laughs> Their legs chopped off. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Speaking of Braveheart, though, Kevin, like... A lot of the listeners, too, were questioning, are, are you still affiliated at all with the IRA? Yeah, Irish Republican <laughs> Army. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact... Um, you were at some point, though? <laughs> no. Loosely, maybe. He <laughs> might have, in my own, have supported it. my own it. mind at the age of 17. <laughs> you had a bumper sticker that that said, like, Sinn Féin on it, right? I mean, Yeah, 26 plus 6 equals 1. I think it said uh, boycott <laughs> I think Bee still has that bumper sticker. Bees does, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I'd read a book called Trinity when I was 16 years old. Was not assigned in school because, of course, I didn't do what was you assigned didn't, in school. You didn't read those school books. <laughs> and so the, this book was this, um, you know, fic- based on history, you know, historical fiction. And uh, the book was like 750 pages long. It was impossible for Mr. Pulisky to get me to read 80 pages of anything. But yet I, I, I voraciously read this book, and uh, it, it opened my eyes to this world that I thought I must have been connected to, which was, you know, the the ultimate freedom for Ireland. Come to find out that the people in Ireland, like that weren't in the North, were like just fine with the situation. Right? <laughs> no, we're cool with how it is, man. So I got off a plane in September of 1995 to go over there and, you know, sow my oats and, and see what I could shake up. Right. Help the cause. <laughs> yeah, help the cause. It just ended up being a, a really nice 10-day trip. I had some good meals and met some nice people. <laughs> and nobody... Not one person talked about any kind of Republic, Irish Republican or the troubles. Right, or the, now, if, if you lived in the north, if you lived in time, Belfast, it, or right, something. It, the troubles were still very much uh, at, uh, at the forefront of, of, of world issues and obviously British politics issues. So, um, yeah. I, but in the Republic of Ireland, like they were pretty happy with. Their they were life. good. I mean, the, they they had actually made the deal. So yeah, no, we like this. We actually like we agreed to this. Like we're we're cool. Kevin, you you had just mentioned um, a pretty significant figure in your life. Tell us a little bit about Palunu. Oh, oh, Mr. Paluski, my gosh. So, 11th grade English teacher could not stand the man. I mean, just just we <laughs> like heads. To, to defend Kevin a little bit. Like I went to Kirtland through ninth grade, and I knew Mr. Paluski just from you know i don't think i ever had him in class but like everyone knew who he was and he was always just like yelling and he was always very animated, animated yep. and just you know you were kind of scared of him and you heard like oh the guy's a real like tough teacher and this and that yeah. but go ahead yeah so so yeah that, no that that's that's basically it and who Paluski was and and uh so i thought right and uh end of the year did a term you know final term paper whatever it was and he gave me this thing back and basically told me to throw it in the garbage. Like, 
you're not going to graduate or not going to go on to the next grade. He didn't throw it in the garbage. He said, he, you he said throw I'm going to I want to watch you throw this in the garbage. <laughs> and whoever helped you write this, I want them to come in here <laughs> and watch, and you, watch throw you throw it in the, the garbage. garbage. And another thing, Vonnegut. <laughs> so anyhow, could not stand the guy. Come to find out a couple years later, the stuff starts coming back to me. The lessons in his class, not just about English and grammar and the construction of good writing or not. Um, but the stuff just kind of started coming to me. And, and, and I come to realize that there were so many lessons being taught in that class by this guy that was so passionate about learning and so committed to, to, to kids and how they learned. And it was, he, was, he was kind of a, you know, he, he was not orthodox in terms of his teaching methods. And not that the orthodox teachers got through to me because they didn't, but you know later on in life he and I actually become really really good friends later on, and I think I even told him he like, was a little... I didn't realize what what you were trying you know, how you were trying to get through to me. I mean, from from my perspective, he was a little bit of an alternative to what the system was at that point. As far as like he, he grew up in a time like he was a huge Beatles nut, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, f- he was he was not a hippie, but like. He did have super long permed hair. Yes, he did. <laughs> and and so in the guy like thirty eight special type of hair. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah, like yeah, yeah, maybe even maybe cross between like, that and Richard Simmons. Almost. Yeah, more more Richard Simmons. <laughs> okay. So I but one day I came in to lose weight um, for for wrestling in in my senior year, and I over in the dark in the shadows, like five in the morning, I see this figure just going up and down like it like warp speed doing push ups. It was Jim Paluski. The guy kept himself in incredible shape, and I think he did like 177 push-ups that morning. But anyhow, the guy, he just was, a, to your point, about unorthodoxy and how he taught in the Beatles. Our last assignment, we had read the book Fahrenheit 451. And uh, our... What our, is that in Celsius? Our test, <laughs> our test was, I don't know. You do the tem- math it's for the me. temperature of which paper burns. I think it's like 9 divided by 5 or something like that. I don't know. That was Doc Caterley's class, Mike. I, I, I didn't pay attention there either. It so. was Mr. McNicky. Miss <laughs> Ireland would have taught me that one, but like she had this, uh, uh, she had this long whistle that she would blow at recess that would often get hooked around one of her boobs in class, <laughs> and it was the best thing ever. Like when it would happen, and we were like, <laughs> yeah, we were just so excited. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. So no, so so the final was he was gonna play. We read a couple books that quarter, and I actually read that book. And he said, "All right, I'm gonna play a song." It was "Blackbird" by the Beatles. And you pick which one of the two books you want to write your final essay on. You got an hour and a half to do it, whatever it was. And I think maybe that was the point. And I realized like what that brought out of me listening to that song and you know trying to you know make some sort of analogy to the book and and and, and write this essay. And I got a really good grade. It was like the first. English assignment that I ever got a really good grade on and it was I think then when I realized holy moly I wasted like an entire 10 months of thinking this guy was just a jerk and a clown so like he he's very effective he had a method to his madness he it was just a matter of like did. trying to figure it out as a but he he would get in people's faces <laughs> he was known to get in people's faces and and before he did it or even if he didn't do it he would threaten and tell you how he would get in your face perhaps your parents face maybe your grandparents face and i've and heard we, this impression so many times and we so <laughs> Palun, uh palunu paluski i knew him as palunu <laughs> Um, but you never really knew him. But <laughs> no, I never knew never him at him, all. Right? But I've only heard this story, and I've never met any of these people. He's in great shape. Who wins in a fight? Prison rules. Library killer. 
or Balloonu. And I think you need to introduce our listeners to the Library Killer right now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so so back in Kirtland in the late eighties, early nineties, there was a gentleman that would sit over in the in the Kirtland Public Library and he would read a newspaper. Every day he'd be there after school and you'd kind of probably walk. probably one of the nicest people ever no, walked I'm, the base I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is. <laughs> and and so but you you look at him, kind of give him a nervous nod or a wave, right? Because he kind of looked intimidating because he had this really stern, kind of na- mean look on his face, or just serious, probably. And uh, but I'm sure he was just thinking, why are these kids keep looking at me every single day? Anyhow, so he became the library killer to all of us because he sat in the <laughs> library. And, and and legend then built off of that. You know, somebody saw him doing one arm pull ups, hundreds of them underneath the bleachers. Um, myself and Paul Hunter and Jeff Bacon may have left Jeff Walner's house one night in a snowstorm, found out where he lived, drove down the driveway, flashing bright lights at the house. Paul then was behind us, wouldn't let us back up out of the driveway. We assumed we were going to get killed. Murder was imminent. Right. And he was a library killer. Whoa, so. so so years later, I see this guy at the at, at the Barnes and Noble in Menor, and he's reading a book. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm I'm gonna say hi to this guy. And I walk up to him. And I say, hey, I say, hey, you're a Kirtland guy, aren't you? And he goes, he looked up at me real meek, and he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the voice of a killer, not the look of a killer. I don't not know. The, tone the, of the a killer. serial killers are the yeah, ones you, you don't, don't know, know, right? I mean. But so yeah, it, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 kids. Yeah, we're just you know <laughs> foolish about what was probably a guy that was in there educating himself, right? <laughs> right. Keeping up on current events. Oh, he murders books. people. Oh, oh he murders people. How many? Yeah. Do you think there? Are, do you think you've ever been in a Starbucks, reading a book or listening to a podcast or anything like that, and a and a kid of this generation walked by you and like, that guy's crazy. <laughs> He's reading a paperback book. Oh my God, who reads books like that? He must be a serial killer. Have we been typecast like that? Oh my God, probably. Karma would Karma would say yes. We yeah. probably we probably. Have. I mean, I think any generation looks to previous generations as like just weirdos, strangers, because they don't. It's it's all different, you know. Right. I mean, regardless of what whether you're reading a book in a library or working at your job, I think it, there's always a disconnect between generations and. You're going to have, maybe not to the point you think they're a serial killer, but maybe so. It's hard to say. One thing's for sure. Kevin has one of the best imaginations of anyone. He's a scared little boy I think he's been mounted to. Okay, Kevin, so having spent some time with um, your daughter, Annie, as she lived with the Stahl family here, one of the things that I became familiar with was uh, that you and Annie share uh, uh, pictures of each other, not the typical selfie um, it's something that Annie has called a coffin pick, and it's a picture of you, what you envision yourself looking like dead, and it's always um, you're. I I don't know what you envi- how you how you imagine yourself dying, but your face is is not just a normal restful face. It's always some like weird take on like um, on on what you'll look like in your coffin. Walk us through the psychology of this and then why I think it starts why you feel it's appropriate to share these with your daughter. Having to be a, is a it just ter- preparing her for your loss. Yeah, so I think it's part of just being a dark person in general, right? <laughs> Having a, a kind of this dark sense. So of you humor. you'll say dark like you're humor. saying like you're a dark person. Like you have you have a dark aura about your soul. 
I don't know if it's about my soul, but yeah, I have a. Um, it's a morbid sense of humor for morbid sure. Morbid sense yeah, of humor, undoubtedly. Um, do you? Yeah, do you... So I, I don't obsess about my own death. I don't fret about other people's death necessarily, but but dark comedies I've always been really attracted to, right? A um, Norm Macdonald fan. Norm Macdonald. Rest fan, in peace. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so yeah so. But you, but you don't specifically worship the forces of evil. No, not at this moment. Not at this time in my life. <laughs> okay, good, good. So. <laughs> I don't know, a handful of years ago, I was at a, a funeral home, and it's for someone's wake, and noticed that, um, you know, people are always talking after the funeral, like, wow, he, he looked really good, or right. she looked really good. I mean, good. that's like the, the consolation of everyone. Right. And so I started kind of paying attention a little bit as I was going to these funeral homes, and like how people looked, like, did that really look like him or her, or did the funeral home do them justice? So I started thinking about, okay, who are the good ones? Who are out there doing a really good job, you know, with, with people? And so... So far, I would say that the John Funeral Home is is They're just top. about, about top the best. And so my my kids know today that if something were to happen to me, you know, tonight, tomorrow, yeah. next month, I would prefer the Johns to. Now, <laughs> but but if they don't and they decide to go somewhere else, somewhere that's maybe a lower tiered funeral home, or even just a little it, cheaper, I mean, then I'm also interested because you're in, not going to know about it, right? And so I'm super interested. Or would be super interested to to see people's reaction coming out of that one. And say, man, they did not do a good job with him. So I think that's where it, that's but where I feel it like started. no one has the balls ever to say like, oh my god, that guy looked oh, not man. like anything. Wolf. I do. You do? I don't say it to the funeral home no, no, director no. or the family certainly. You, but you but, I also but on the ride home with Jenny, the, you're like, oh my god. First thing out of my mouth is typically, wow, they did not do a good job <laughs> with, with him or her. You right? go, you go through the reception line like, yeah, you have my blessing. You're in our prayers. Not good. Not good. Sorry. I hope this didn't cost Sorry. you much. You should have went somewhere else. But <laughs> yeah. But the past. Have now. you heard of John's? <laughs> so Ross, if you're listening, Ross to John of the John Funeral Home. Do a good job. And That's Pat, a plug out to and and pet cremation yeah, can, can services. We get, can we get the John Funeral Homes as a sponsor for us? And now? pet cremation. Welcome pet cremation to John services. Funeral yeah. Homes. We won't, we won't make you look fucked up. <laughs> anyway, so so yeah. So, think of the best version of yourself. That's the John Funeral. <laughs> We're gonna mold your dead face into something people recognize. Cover it full of makeup. Fill your fill your mouth full of mints so they don't smell your dead rotting breath. Anywho. The John's funeral. <laughs> Give us a whirl. <laughs> anyway, check your dead folks in here. <laughs> so, so out of that was the genesis of the coffin pick, right? And so one night, I think I was I was laying back in the reclining chair, <laughs> and I, and you I, sent I, it I, to your oldest. I put, I put the phone up and closed my eyes and took a snapshot and said, "Wow, I look dead, right? And don't look that." Don't look that bad. I hope if I look, I hope I look like this. Like this would yeah. be a, this would be a good dead. See, now, a good dead right. now here's, Ross can pull this off. Right? Now maybe this is. I mean, this is a great you know recommendation to people who are still living. Like and, take picture and, yourself. And, and, yeah, dead, and he's how gonna, you want to look. And he's gonna take this to John and be like, "This is this the man I want to see right here." We're like, "Listen, listen, Annie." He's like 35 years older than this picture. <laughs> this right. is basically impossible to get this done. That's right. I just imagine the day that, that uh, you know, heaven forbid you do pass away, and he's going to send me the pic of you in the coffin and be like, for sure. Wow, he finally did it. He did it. This is a great pic. No, no, Mike, my dad's dead this time. Yeah. Like, Annie, Annie, like, oh, he, gosh, he tried I'm to sorry. shoot a firework off and it blew up in his face. We can't recreate this. He was, he was killed picketing outside the Kirtland Country Club 
that's probably a good. Maybe you should have a like a plastic a mold of your face made a mask just in case. Know. Just right. Just right. Just how you want it before you die. Shane, for Christ's sake, is that she, the first thing you've said like the whole show? But my so God, he still got it. <laughs> he still got it. The, pro- that- the problem with that, though, Shane, is is that people then can't pass judgment on how the funeral home did. With me and, I, and what's right? the point of having a funeral and a wake if you can't pass judgment on the corpse? Look, I've Absolutely. taken thousands of funeral pics. This is what you got? My wife wants to be cremated because she doesn't want people to go through that, and I'm just the opposite. But not for any like, not for any religious reason, not for any spiritual reason. It is literally so people can judge whether or not the funeral home did a good job or not. So let's we'll take a snapshot of my fire pit on the way out. And we'll send it to Annie and like, this is your mom's funeral. This is your mom's coffin pick. But how about like, would it be hilarious though if in your will you said like, hey, Ross to John, I want to look like Gene Simmons from Kiss. I'm a, I'm a when is the last time Ross to John got this much press? I'm not sure. Not paid for it. No. Hopefully soon though. Yeah, hopefully soon. He's, yeah, like make me look like Matthew Ross to John funeral home. We'll make you look like your best <laughs> coffin selfie. Your best coffin self. Wait, so did Annie send one back? So yeah, so then the Stall family started sending me oh. pictures, coffin <laughs> yeah. pics. Now Lincoln just sent Kevin a picture of him with a Halloween tombstone behind him, the seven-year-old, seven-year-old. Wow. So now I've, I've yeah. deeply, darkly in- infected a seven-year-old. And I, That's yeah, good. I'm terrified that my my son Lincoln is just enamored with Kevin because uh, give us a give us a take of the song that you sang to him and. Well, you sang a song? Uh, yeah, every time I saw him or talked to Annie and Lincoln was around, it went, Lincoln stinking, I've been thinking, what's that awful stuff you're drinking? Looks like water, tastes like wine, oh my gosh, it's turpentine. And <laughs> Lincoln, so, Lincoln so, will go around the house even now, singing that song himself, and I'll be like, hey Lincoln, I'm going up to Kirtland, I might see the mayor. And he's like, really? I mean, you're like a celebrity to him. So when I was a kid going to Lincoln Elementary School in Euclid, the Holy Cross kids, that was their song about the Lincoln kids, the public school kids. The punks. Right, and it drove us nuts, but it worked out later for me and Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Turnabout's fair play, I think. Yeah, anywho. So thank you, Holy Cross bullies. (laughs) All right, so we're going to get into uh, the final stage of the show here as we're coming up on about an hour, right, Shane? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to say something else. Yes. All right. There he is. He still does it every time. They don't call him the best color man business for nothing, folks. It's Monty. <laughs> You're like Rosie. One of these days, we're going to let you do a, like a solo show. Like when Tom Han- Todd Hamilton's like out, out of town. You know? Oh, I've been posting solo shows that you guys don't even notice. <laughs> I, I, well, no one has. <laughs> Uh, all right, five questions. I'm going to read these to you because my handwriting is so terrible. So you know how this works, right? So we're going we're gonna to give you a question. It's like a first-person question, like you're asking it to us. We're going to answer it. Um, if we want you to chime in, we will have it. But we're, we're more looking for like how closely Shane, Mike, and I can actually get the right answer. Sure. Some of these are, uh, some of these are two-parters, so listen closely. God, I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh, my God. All right. You can listen to one song the rest of your life. What is it? Shane? All right, Shane passed. A hint might have been the song that opened the show, but... I think it's something else, but go ahead, Shane. Any any thoughts? Um, I don't even know if this is the name of the song or not, because you know how good I am with music, right? Right. You just know Faith Hill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I don't know. The first song that came to my mind was... 
It's a song called Peaceful Easy Feeling or whatever. The Eagles. Easy by the Peaceful Eagles. Feeling. Easy Peaceful Feeling by the Eagles. Can I can I say now that no, Shane you can't, you can't say that's <laughs> not it. You you can't tell Shane how wrong uh, he is. We, yeah. You 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 Yeah, we all know he's wrong. Anyway. Um I'll go next. I I, I would say um maybe it's a good shot, it's Powderfinger. Could also be um a number of other classic rock songs. I'll say Powderfinger um, as I played that song to start the show. Um, I feel, Kevin, it's going to be like a classic country song. And I think, um, but it's like when like you shoot the lights out and... Uh, oh, Spotlight? Spotlight. I'm going to say Spotlight by David Onko. Uh, I would say that, that uh, Jim and Mike were much closer than Shane. <laughs> I, I hate the Eagles with a passion. <laughs> hate the Eagles? Wow, I, didn't I almost stormed out here again. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. I, th- I just thought it was like a calming, peaceful song. That it might could... be for you. But it was a peaceful, it, it, easy I'm, song. I'm yeah, I thought if, you're gonna have, if you have to listen to a song over and over again, you don't want something like right in your face. You know, a little something a little subtle. Bad song, Kevin's bad idea bad song, of hell right? is you singing that song to him. <laughs> well, that's everybody. I don't even know what the other songs you guys are talking so, about. So what can... This is what I tell you. What yeah, came on. my mind. So, All right, this time. The song Back to My Irish Republican Roots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which one would that have been, Jim? Probably Four Green Fields. Or Patriot Game. Patriot Game, yeah. okay. So, but I would say that you were pretty darn close because, as you said, David Allen Coe, that song. I know you like you country. love Merle Haggard, David Allen Coe, Waylon. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that stuff. John Prine's good. I mean, that's kind of the route I was going. But, yeah, looking back and even thinking more, yeah, I could see some of that. Because we used to listen to... A shit ton of Clancy Brothers Correct. songs for many, many, many years. That's when you were like into the yeah, IRA. I was in the in the, bro- the Irish <laughs> Republican Brotherhood. You are. Sinn Fein, Jerry Adams. Yeah, didn't for you, sure. Didn't you see Jerry Adams speak once? I did. I took uh, Mr. Carney. I was dating Katie Carney um, for a short period of time there in high school. And Tom, Tom Carney, Mr. Carney. I my great new, guy, by the way. Great guy. Yes. My my new girlfriend at the time. I. I I was obsessed with Irish politics and uh, Irish re- Republican politics. And again, nobody dated really a little redheaded girl. Right. And so anyhow, I told Mr. Carney, I got him a ticket to go see Jerry Adams, who was the, I don't know what he was, the leader, the president of Sinn Féin, which was the political wing of the Irish Republican Army over at the West Side Irish American Club. So a little bit obsessed at a pretty young age. <laughs> you know what? Good for you. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't hurt me. It was fun. I didn't hurt anybody. No, and I think Tom... Carney really got a lot out of it. I, I learned well, about it. Whether he did or he didn't, it was... <laughs> He's told me many times since. Every time I see him, he just brings it up. Kevin took me to see. So uh, a, a big portion of my college uh, lifespan there, I had a gas card that was uh, my parents, and they told me to only use it in case of emergency. <laughs> right. And it was a BP gas card, and I went there to buy I don't think I ever bought gas. I bought beer. I have figured out that I could use that just about anywhere. And it was a MasterCard credit card, but I could use it just about anywhere. And I would go to a BP to buy beer. And I think at one time we were driving together and I almost pulled over to get gas at a BP. And you're like, oh, Mike. Oh, Michael, don't, don't, don't do it. There's a Sunoco right over there. <laughs> Probably about a year later, I started buying BP gas almost religiously. It was just, <laughs> just easier. It was just easier. It was on every corner. All right, question number two. Who is bees? Hmm. In one wow. word? Wow. Or it's a two, This is a two-parter. Okay. Bee. Why is bees? 
Well, bees. First of all, it's Kevin's brother, Michael. And why? Because you can put his name in just about any song and make it work. Peaceful, easy, beesy feeling. <laughs> Peaceful, beesy feeling. That's what. That's one of the things that I learned early on is that you could fit um, bees or Jews to <laughs> just about or, any song. Or my nephew Bubs. Or Bubs right. in any song. Because love is pretty much in ever. every song, so Bubs goes well with that. Yeah, we all cut this one a little bit short. We all know bees is... Michael Potter, beloved brother of Kevin Potter. That's who Kevin's going to visit this weekend. No, uh, older brother to go see the. Uh, you wouldn't go visit him if the Browns weren't playing there, though, would you? Absolutely not. Right, so, bees, if you're listening, absolutely get, get not. To see the Browns playing. Bees, uh, Shane, name <laughs> name bees's favorite beverage in the world. Uh, Dr Pepper. Dr Pepper by the liter. <laughs> By the two he, liter, really. he, he got off the Dr. Pepper, right? Is he, or is he, he did. back on it? Uh, he may be back on it now, but but for years, decades maybe, I don't know if he had a glass of water. No. It was Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and like Doritos and Dr. Pepper. 16-ounce yeah. Dr. Pepper every single time I saw him. Can anyone name the uh, band that tattoo has a uh, that Bees has a tattoo of on his body? I, I sure can. Wow. It's Pearl Jam. Did anyone know? Did yeah. anyone know that he was such a big Pearl Jam fan? I, I, I did. think we do now. You know, so we were doing a roof job over on the west side. 10, so so, 12, so, 12, so our listeners know, ago. like, before you became mayor, before you took your current job, you had your own roofing business roofing. for, like, probably 10 or 15 years, right? Yeah, so from 2004, 2010-ish. Right? And, and, and even now, you have a... a a full-time job. Mayor's like a yeah, yeah, so I'm extra sales, job. <laughs> correct. I work at an industrial gear manufacturer in sales, yeah. Yeah. And Bees is also a big fan of manual labor. <laughs> he, he, he he dodged it whenever he could growing up. Grandpa's car would come pulling up the driveway and Bees would just drop the wiffle ball bat and head inside because he knew Grandpa was putting us to work. <laughs> it, was, it was tummy ache time. <laughs> but, uh, no, so we were doing a job over on the west side. And it was me, Gib, my brother Tom, my nephew Tommy Kozlowski, and we were playing country music. And Bees hated country music with a passion. And, we and all, if Bees doesn't like something, he'll let you know. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> and so we were just literally working, enjoying the music. I think it was Johnny Cash. And all of a sudden, he gets down off the ladder and goes, two can F and play at this game. And he goes over to his car, and he turned Pearl Jam in this residential neighborhood up <laughs> with all his doors and windows open to the full tilt. And we're like, Mike, settle down. You can't play music like that. And he just like flipped. Like we were taunting him with Johnny Cash. You know, we were like everybody on the job loved Johnny Cash. It's not. You can play this game. It's nothing personal. <laughs> oh, Beast, Beast would take things personally sometimes. He would. He was very passionate in in many moments. Whether it was wiffle ball or horse backyard, or backyard football, sweater. Nintendo. Oh, Kev. Tecmo. Come on, Kev. Kev. <laughs> We're going to play 400 innings of, of Home Run Derby right now, or I'm going inside and telling Mom about the chew, the cigarettes. <laughs> and he was awesome at swearing. <laughs> Nobody. I mean, Andrew no one can swear better. Nothing on Mike Potter. <laughs> well, we love you, Mike. Bees, as it, as it were. Uh, question number three. By the way, no one has any clue where the name Bees came from. My dad started calling that as a very young child, and no one knows why my dad has no clue. I, I do the same thing with my kids. I started calling Lincoln Chucky. I have no idea why. <laughs> um, I call it's him weird Chucky. how nicknames come. I yeah, mean, you, you don't know. 
Yeah, it, it is strange. Anyway, anywho, who, question number three, who is Kevin's favorite Civil War general? Hmm. Probably Patton, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, a few decades removed. When the Germans b- bombed Pearl Harbor, Jim? Um, I'm going to say General... Lee, because he loved Dukes of Hazard. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a way to get there. Shane, the tough part is thinking of a Civil War general (laughs) at this point. This is not my forte. No, not his forte. Um, You could go, yeah, you could go super racist here. Go Nathan Bedford Forrest. You could... Um, you could Sorry, land land on land on the side of the union. You could uh, say Grant. Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant. Grant. That's where I'm going. Change there you Grant. go. Oh, yeah, I handed you that one. I'm gonna say uh, I lived I lived right behind Ulysses S. Grant Elementary School. That's well, there there you go. I'm, well, then and it took you that long to recall that. Well, I, was uh, wait, I was waiting for you to finish talking. Okay. All right. Well, which never which never that's, happens. That's the, that's how Melissa spends her life. <laughs> My, she, she my cried, poor, poor wife. Calls me every day crying. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, without a doubt, William Tecumseh Sherman. And I'm going to say it's due in part to the Kevin Burns documentary of the Civil War. Kevin, tell, Ken, us, Ken tell Burns. us the Ken truth. Burns, yeah, Ken, Ken Burns. Sorry. So although Sherman did march to the sea and burned Atlanta and Savannah and pretty much bring the South to their knees... Um, the reason that that would be true, Mike, would be only because of your impression of <laughs> William Tecumseh Sherman's character in the Ken Burns documentary. Otherwise, Shane is correct. Shane, yeah, no, yeah, unbelievable. A couple of great books here from the Cutting Weight crew. One, um, Grant by Chernow is a great, phenomenal book. And I would also recommend another one, The Man Who Saved the Union, is another great book about Ulysses S. Grant. And, um, but William Tecumseh Sherman, no one knows what that guy sounded like. I think of like the Daniel Day Lewis portrayal of Lincoln. Like, I think, uh, historians would say that he had a very tinny voice. And when the movie came out, they're like, why is he talking like that? Well, if they like historians say that Lincoln had a very kind of high pitched, like nasally voice. (laughs) Like, no, I don't think anyone's on record as saying like what William Tecumseh Sherman sounded like, but they knew he was an asshole. (laughs) So they're like, William Tecumseh Sherman. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. I'm going to make I'm going to burn all you Confederates to the ground. I'm going to get to Savannah and I'm going to give this city to, to Abraham Lincoln. That's, ex- that's almost exactly what the documentary <laughs> what character sounds like. sounded like. Yeah, and I love the, I love the, the uh, documentary because, <laughs> because like, you like uh there's also this other kid like elijah hunt rose who they pretty much portray as like a gay union soldier who's writing home and he's very sensitive and articulate and writes poetry and everything else prince and braveheart yeah but then (laughs) my my counselor brian whatever it was did he sound anything (laughs) but but the uh but yeah william took up to sherman we're pretty sure it was an asshole so he should sound like this well i mean i I think it was clear that he had no problem being an asshole when he needed to be based on his track record (laughs) yeah for for sure anyway civil war generals a little little history lesson there for the cutting weight uh audience out there 
Question number four. Electoral college. Really? Uh, I'm going to say... Really? You're going to say, really? I don't it, uh, Electoral college, Shane. Outdated mode of... Yeah, I think, it, I think it had a purpose when it was put in place, but now when information fro- flows freely across the globe... I don't know if it's quite necessary. Do away with the electoral college. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say maybe it's an outdated mode of running our electoral system and uh, voting, and we don't necessarily need that kind of supervision. We could probably go to a a strictly democratic uh, method of voting with a majority rank, rank rules. choice voting. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think yeah, it's we don't care. <laughs> Question number five. <laughs> No, go ahead. I think its original purpose and intent, one of them at least, was to um, prevent a populist from right getting the country all riled up and, and winning an election. That was part of the reason. Um, I think maybe recent history... Glad, glad that's never happened. I, I'm, recent history has shown that maybe it didn't work that way anymore. It doesn't work that way anymore. I think it's an interesting argument to be had one way or the other. I don't. I, I kind of like it, but I do... If I'm, if I'm Montana, right, I'm saying this is... This is kind of ridiculous, right? Um, do I even go out to vote because it's just going to go Republican? Or if I'm California, right? Obviously, right. it has a lot to do with the turnout of the election or the, the result. But I don't really you, have a strong think opinion like one a, way or the other. Okay, an entirely populist vote would be a good idea. Uh, yeah, majority vote, just like in the, for a governor's race or um, like any other vote. Yeah, I, th- I think it I, it would probably increase turnout um, because again. But what does that matters? do? Is it proportional, right? Um, I'm I'm not sure because your vote does in California. I'm gonna go out and vote probably because now all of a sudden my vote matters. And a lot of Republicans maybe not even go vote in California because their state's just gonna go. It's gonna go blue. Montana being the same thing, right? Or candidates aren't even gonna go campaign in those states because exactly there's no and, point. Absolutely, you spend a year and, and maybe have an affinity for one of the candidates and never have a chance of, of having them show any attention to your state because or you could be in ohio and we get stuck with all of them and ten thousand ads every five minutes right so no there's certainly an argument to be made to to do away with it but um you know like everything else in government it works pretty slow slowly (laughs) yeah all right question number five it's the final question and i think it's what's on the top of everyone's mind here misney semicolon Make him pay, A, or B, be there for him. <laughs> I think I think Kevin would say that back in the day, like because Kevin and I, I worked for Misney, and Kevin worked there a couple times, a little bit, and we used to, it, was, it was more difficult sometimes to make him pay us, <laughs> I feel, um, after we got a certain amount of hours in. But at the same time, you know, I, I think he also wants to be there f- for us. So I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think Kevin likes. I think Kevin would like to just see him make him pay. <laughs> I think go, Shane, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say make make them pay without a doubt. I think one of the biggest like social media or like media presences during the COVID regime was Misney on TV. He'd do a five second spot and he'd say be there for i'll be there for you or like we're in this together question c (laughs) like option number c is we'll we'll be we're in this together you know i i remember coming up here to to 
look at houses when we we're moving from DC and it was every billboard on the, as soon as you hit Youngstown was Misney and you know, we're in this together and everything else. I, he should run for governor as right, far as I'm concerned. He's I'd a, say he's certainly a marketing genius. I'll be there for him in my opinion. The, the, the funny thing about Tim Misney is he, he truly is a, I mean, he, he's a, he's a really good guy and he's a character and, and, um, you know, I get I get a big kick out of him when he saw me at that uh, protest back in the in the spring. He was super happy I was there to show my support for the residents, and you know he told me how proud of me he was. Um, and uh, I was didn't he know that he would remember me, right? Because like you said, we'd go work. I worked his house a handful of times. I, I drank at his house. We, we 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 had one fateful night. We parked cars for him on New Year's Eve, and. Me, Gibber, Capel lost the key to his friend's Camaro. And that key turned up in Katie Gibbons' uh, tire like in the spring. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, so do we make? Do, do I like the make him pay side of Tim Misney better than the him being there for me? Um, yeah, I think it started with making people pay. So we'll, we'll, we'll right. stick with that. We'll stick with his brand. That's what got him to where he's at. All right. All right. I hope the Sullivans aren't offended by that. <laughs> I think it's too late for that, Mike. All right. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for Grace and Cutting Away Cabin here. And I hope you had a good time. I know we all did. I hope our listeners will as well. Shane, what do you have to say to our listeners here? I say follow us uh, at Cutting Away on Twitter and Instagram and CuttingWay at Outlook.com if you got an email. I want an email. I think everyone's got an email at this point. Yeah. Somebody send Shane an email for crying out loud. I need something to do at night. Baba Brunetti, anything from the background there? stuff big things coming big things coming um yeah i think i'm i'm aroused (laughs) super pumped and ready to make a lot of people pay hopefully sponsors and uh we're probably gonna be off next week mike and i are doing a little fishing trip Ooh, going back up to palaski slaying salmon that's right I don't um, think I told work about that yet. Uh-oh. No, I I'll let him know. I, I have. At any rate, uh, won't be here next week, but hopefully we'll get back up uh, the week after and uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the fall weather. Mike's got his flannel on. Do the same. Yeah. You guys have a great weekend. Good, safe home. Fear with the speed.